Welcome, ladies, to our study on the book of James. You know, the book of James is about maturing in our Christian walk, learning to live every moment of our day for Christ. But to mature in our Christian walk, we need to be fed spiritual food, don't we? We need to feast on the Word of God. Well, in James chapter 1, verses 19 to 27, James is going to state here that we have three responsibilities toward the Word of God. In verses 19 to 21, it says that we are to receive the Word. And then in verses 22 to 25, it says that we are to practice the Word. And then lastly, in verses 26 to 27, it says that we are to share the Word. Ladies, if we are to mature in our Christian walk, each and every one of us individually need to examine our own hearts and lives in light of the Word of God. You know, the Word of God, ladies, is our instruction book for life, right? It is the living Word of God. You know, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Oh, ladies, we need to be in that Word of God daily, don't we? We need to be absorbing to our inner being what He is trying to teach us. Now, you cannot do this in five minutes, where you sit down and you read a few scriptures and then off you go into your daily routine. Ladies, if you think that you can mature and grow in your Christian walk and not spend time in the Word of God, then you're just kidding yourself. Oh, ladies, we need to spend time cultivating our relationship with God. Now, I know we all have busy lives, but if we don't spend that time with Jesus Christ, we will never grow in our Christian walk, and we will not be fulfilled in this lifetime. Ladies, it is only what we do with the opportunities that God has given us that will matter in the end. I understand busy, and I know that, and there's just sometimes simply does not seem to be enough time in a day to get everything that needs to be done done. But we need to prioritize our time and make sure that we set aside time to be in the Word of God, cultivating our relationship with Him. You know, on a personal note, I have gotten so busy at times between studying for our Bible study and all the different ministries that my husband and I are involved in, along with the regular everyday chores that we have to do, that sometimes my cat ends up having to remind me that, hey, you're getting a little too busy. The picture on the screen is a picture of my cat, Sammy, at the time we first got him. And, you know, he loved to get on that computer with me and as I studied and watched. But now it's actually become an enemy to him because it is taking my time away from him. In fact, he will actually come up, get on my lap, and in my face, and say, Hey, pay attention to me. And if while I am holding him on my lap, and he is in my face, if I try to do something on the computer, oh, he looks at that computer with the most grumpiest look, and then he looks back at me as if to say, Hey, don't even think about it. He's saying, you know, when I'm here on your lap, you pay attention to me, not to that computer. In fact, he has even learned when he wants attention that 
He will go to his room, lay on his bed, and wait for me to notice that he is not around. And I'll say, where is Sammy? And I'll go look for him, find him in his little room, on his bed, and sure enough, he turns over and gets his little belly rubbed. You know, ladies, Sammy reminds me of a little checkpoint that I need to think about. How many times is Christ trying to get our attention? How many times do we try to do other things while we are spending time with him when he doesn't have our full attention? And how many times is Christ waiting for us to seek him? In our own life, are we spending enough time and not just time, but quality time? Are we giving God our full attention? So as we begin our first section of receiving the word, let's turn over to James chapter 1, verse 19. It says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Here James is talking to his Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ. And he is commanding them to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. You know, ladies, these are great principles that we need to listen to. You ever try to talk to someone and you can tell that they really aren't listening to what you're trying to say to them? They may be looking at you, but it is going in one ear and right out the other. Well, James is telling these Christians to be swift to hear. Ladies, as Christians, we are to be quick to hear what God has to tell us. That is, we need to be careful listeners, making sure that we pay attention in order to get the message right. Let's say you're studying God's Word and have 50 million other things going on in your mind, or 50 million distractions come up. Well, you're not going to be able to absorb what God is trying to tell you, are you? There are times when I'm trying to study that seems like Satan brings into my mind all the different things that I need to do. And soon I find myself rereading the scripture over and over again because it just isn't sinking in. Ladies, we need to be quick to hear what God is trying to tell us. Turn over to Matthew chapter 13 verse 9. It says, He who has ears, let him hear. Well, and then in Romans 10, verse 17, it says, Then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Oh, ladies, the word becomes our most welcome friend, not only because of what it delivers us from, but also because what it delivers us to to that glorious, intimate, and loving communion with our Heavenly Father. Well, Second James commands us to be slow to speak. You know, God gave us two ears and one mouth, right? Which should be a reminder to us that we must listen more than we speak. In fact, this actually goes hand in hand with being quick, doesn't it? Because you cannot listen carefully if you're too busy speaking, right? Proverbs 10:19 says, "In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise." Well, you've heard the quote, "It's better to remain silent and be thought a fool 
than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Ladies, we need to think before we speak. So many times we are eager to speak that we end up putting our foot in our mouth, don't we? Well, James goes on to say in verses 19 to 20, to be slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, wrath and anger are very natural emotions. Proverbs 14:29 says, He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. Now in the Greek word for wrath here in James chapter 1 verse 19 is orge. Now orge does not refer to an explosive wrath as say the Greek word thymos does. In fact, Vine's expository dictionary states that thymos is a more agitated condition of the feelings, an outburst of wrath, whereas orge suggests a more settled or abiding condition of mind. Frequently, they use this in view of taking revenge. So, it is more likely to be a smoldering, kind of resentful inside, just building up, which actually could be very dangerous because it sits there, festering deep within you. You know, ladies, there is a righteous anger, right? When somebody talks or does something against God, that you have the right to be angry. You have a righteous anger. But this is not what we're talking about here, okay? The late J. Vernon McGee, who is author and pastor of uh, Through the Bible Ministry, quoted a story about Jonathan Edwards in his commentary. Now, Jonathan Edwards was the third president of Princeton and probably one of America's greatest thinkers and preachers. Well, Jonathan Edwards had a daughter who had an uncontrollable temper. And one day, a fine young man at the school who had fallen in love with her came to Jonathan Edwards to ask for her hand in marriage. You see, back then, this is the, that was the custom that they did. Well, Jonathan Edwards said to this young man, you cannot have her. So the young man says, but I love her. And Edwards replied back and said, you can't have her. The young man said, but she loves me. Again, Edwards said, you can't have her. Well, by this time, the young man protested and he said, why can't I have her? And Edwards said, because she is not worthy of you. Yes, she is a Christian, but the grace of God can live with some people with whom no one else could ever live. J. Vernon McGee went on to say, There are a lot of unworthy Christians today with uncontrollable tempers that spoil their testimonies as much as anything in their life can spoil them. Ladies, are you slow to wrath or do you fester anger inside? So how can we keep away from this? How can we prepare our hearts to receive God's word? Well, ladies, to begin with, when you start your Bible study, begin in prayer. Don't just start in reading scripture. Prepare your heart to receive what God wants to tell you. Confess any sins so that your heart is pure. You know, there are sins that you know about, but then there is also sins that you don't know about. 
and you don't even realize that you're doing that but you know in first John 1 9 it says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness ladies we need to ask for forgiveness and then we need to ask God to show us areas in our life that need maturing we need to meditate on God's love and goodness you know you gotta praise him for what he has done in your life and then come before him with an attitude of meekness you know when you receive the word in meekness you are saying I accept this as the Word of God I will not argue with it or try to twist it to conform to my own thinking I'm going to exegete the scripture and not isogete it in other words I'm going to see what God is saying in the context of the scripture instead of what I want it to mean so if the seed of the word is to be planted in our hearts then ladies we must obey what the instructions of James are giving us here now borrowing from our Lord's parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13 verses 1 through 9 and 18 to 23 he compares God's word to seed and the human heart to soil you know in his parable Jesus described four kinds of hearts there is the hard heart which did not understand or receive the word and therefore bore no fruit there was the shallow heart which was very emotional but had no depth and bore no fruit and then there was the crowded heart which lacked repentance and permitted sin to crowd out the word and then there was the fruitful heart which received the word allowed it to take root and produced a harvest of fruit ladies as a Christian your life should bear fruit if you are truly saved your life will reflect it because now you have a changed heart you now have the Holy Spirit living within you but being a Christian doesn't mean that you don't have weeds anymore right in that soil of your heart we constantly have to be pulling those weeds of our self life out of there in order to allow room to produce that fruit right ladies just as our gardens are at home if we do not cultivate and weed it on a regular basis what happens the weeds will overtake our garden right so too with our hearts we need to be cultivating our relationship with God and asking him to help us root out those unwanted weeds those unwanted self portions of our life you know some of those weeds have very deep roots and they are painful to remove but it is necessary in order to allow that true fruit to flourish so we may need to bring out the big jackhammer and it could be very painful very tough but in the end it is so worth it to see the final product produced isn't it well the call to do what scripture says lies at the center of all that James teaches it sums up the message of the whole book put it into practice what you profess to believe you know 
James 1 verse 22 may well be the key verse to James's epistle. Let's look at that. It says, But be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourself. Ladies, not only are we to receive the word of God, but we are to practice it, as it says in verses 22 to 25. Ladies, there are many Christians who will go to church on Sunday and hear the sermon. Some may attend a Bible study and listen to the teacher. But ladies, this is not enough. We need to practice what the Word of God says. I like what Warren Wearsby said on page 61 of his book. Too many Christians mark their Bibles, but their Bibles never mark them. Oh, ladies, you can sit and take notes, mark in your Bible. But if it is not affecting your life, if you are not applying it to your life, Ladies, you are not growing spiritually. You will not be able to mature and you will stay as babes in Christ. Well, we have seen the word of God compared to a seed. And now here in verse 23, we see it compared to a mirror. James 1.23 says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Well, we use a mirror for a lot of reasons, right? But one very important purpose for a mirror is self-examination. Well, part of that self-examination, ladies, is looking into that mirror. And sometimes we don't necessarily like everything that we see, right? It shows all the flaws, and it doesn't hold back anything, just the cold, hard facts. In fact, there might be a part of you that has a certain image of yourself. And then you look in that mirror and, wow, you say, where did that come from? A few extra wrinkles, a few extra pounds here or there. So, ladies, in that we know that we are not going to like everything that we see, we approach that mirror with caution. Maybe we dim the lights down a little bit because we know it is going to reveal to us our true selves, right? And so we protect ourselves from really seeing everything that it is showing us. You ever notice how you can be looking at something and yet you don't even see it because you're really your focus is not on it well the same with a mirror you can look but if you're not focused on what you're seeing then you're going to miss something well ladies the Bible is our mirror that is to be used to examine our lives it will reveal to us where we need to mature and areas that we need weeding areas we need to change some of that self weeds that are in there now it is hard it's very hard to see the flaws in our lives because it means things need to change and you know change is not always easy now one way we protect ourselves is that we just glance at that mirror well the same with scripture sometimes we just glance at the scripture maybe reading a quick verse or two and maybe even a full chapter but we don't want to get too deep because we don't want to see the flaws that we have but where the problem lies is not in just a quick verse here or two. It is how did you read it? Now, you know, my mother-in-law used to read at least two pages in her Bible faithfully every day. Now, she would do other studying, but she made sure that she faithfully read those two pages every day. The difference is that when she read those two pages, 
She didn't just read them to ease her conscience so that at the end of the day she could say, I read my Bible. No, she prayed before reading them that the Lord would show her something new from those two pages that she could apply to her life. Ladies, you would not believe the truths that she received by reading just those two pages a day. Not only did she get that, but she read through the whole Bible many times in her lifetime. Ladies, that is where the Bible begins to mark your life rather than you just marking your Bible. Well, James 1.24 tells us our next mistake that we make when looking into that mirror. It says, For he observes himself going away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. <laughs> this sounds like denial, doesn't it? We look into the mirror and can't believe what we are seeing, so we block it out of our memory, walk away, and try to forget it. Well, Wearsby here shows us three examples of men in the Bible and how they responded to what they saw in the mirror. Isaiah, in Isaiah 6, 5, acknowledged his flaw as he examined his life through the light of Jesus. It says, So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then we have Peter. And his response was that he fell at Jesus' knees and cried. In Luke chapter 5 verse 8, it says, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And the last person is Job. And Job acknowledged his flaws as he confessed. In Job 42 verse 6 says, Therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Oh, ladies, we need to read the scripture, asking God to reveal to us the areas in our own lives that we need to mature in. And then don't just walk away but do something about it. Turn over to James chapter 1, verse 25. It says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Ladies, if we are to be used by God's mirror profitably, then we must gaze into it carefully and with serious intent. No quick glances will do here. We must examine our own lives and our hearts in the light of God's word. And this requires time, attention, and sincere devotion. Ladies, did you know that in Latin, the word for intent, intentus tot, means to stretch out or to lean toward we need to change our attitude toward the flaws in our lives. Instead of ignoring them and leaning away from that mirror, our intent needs to be redirected toward the mirror, like the Latin meaning shows, leaning toward it. We need to lean toward that mirror, examining ourselves closely so that we may see what the Lord has to tell us.
Don't be afraid of what you see when you look into that mirror. Think of it as an opportunity for Christ to mold you into what he wants you to be. Ladies, you are his workmanship and he will perfect you with his perfect plan. Let's say what the psalmist says. It says in Psalms 139, 23-24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So we are to receive the word, practice the word, and lastly, we are to share the word. Here in verses 26 to 27, we see that we are to practice pure religion, sharing it with others through speech, service, and separation from the world. Let's look at the verses. It says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Ladies, our tongue reveals our heart, doesn't it? If our heart is right, then our speech will be right also. Pure religion does not focus upon form and ritual and ceremony. It focuses upon the power of God to change lives eternally. And it reaches out to change people's lives. You know, pure religion means living a life that is honoring to God, having a personal relationship with God, and in so doing what the Word of God says. You know, one of the things that James is telling us here to do in verse 27 is to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Ladies, as children of God, we are in the world physically but we are not of the world spiritually this is not our permanent home we are only here temporarily but while we are here we must live every moment of our lives for the honor and glory of God ladies face that mirror and don't hide from it look to God's word to grow look into that mirror with expectations of beauty in God's eyes. See the potential that God has in store for you and not for what you are. Lean toward the goal of Christian maturity. Ladies, I enjoy spending each week with you. And next week we are going to be starting chapter 2 as we see the second mark towards Christian maturity. Until then, God bless.